Hey there all you hip cats, cool kittens, you guys and dolls, you diesel punk disciples of cool. This is the Tales from the Flipside podcast, simulcast on the Diesel Punk podcast, the voice of Diesel Punk. And I am your host, the comic book loving, time traveling, Diesel Punk prophet of pop culture, the king of swing, the tower of power, the artist also known as Big Daddy Cool. You can call me Johnny. And I am coming to you live from the mobile podcast studio in my Chevy Suburban. (laughs) And I am here to share my thoughts, feelings, and reviews of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I was privileged to be part of a media sneak preview last night, Monday, May the 1st. I was invited because, of course... I am a high-powered and influential member of the geek culture media community, said with tongue-in-cheek, but not really. Anyway, so about a hundred of us, newspaper reporters, television reporters, bloggers, websites, uh, podcasters, etc., were invited by Marvel Studios to come preview Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And so I went and um, I'm going to share my thoughts. Now, big, big warning right now. My review is going to have some spoilers. So spoiler alert right now. If you don't want any spoilers, wait until after you see the movie and come back then. Pardon me, little frog in my throat there. So um, there will be spoilers. You have been warned. So Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, first of all, has one of the best opening sequences of any movie I've ever seen. It, It captivated, drew you in, made you laugh, and just told you right off the top, that this movie was going to be a lot of fun. And it was a lot of fun. In a nutshell, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is bigger, badder, and better than the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, I got to admit something to you guys. I wasn't a huge fan of the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. It's not that I didn't like it. I enjoyed it. It's just not one of my favorite films. It wouldn't make my top 10. I don't even know that it would make my top 20. This movie, for me, beat it hands down. From the opening sequence to the final post-credit scene. So, word of warning, there are, I believe, five post-credit scenes. Well, they're they're not really post-credit. They're scattered throughout the end credits. So, five end credit scenes. And uh, one of them is pretty substantial. Most of them are just kind of throwaway scenes, but one of them is pretty substantial and has some pretty big ramifications for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Let me start kind of with the end credit scenes. There were no scenes that really set up Avengers Infinity War. There were no scenes that set up Thor Ragnarok. There were no scenes that tied into... You know, Doctor Strange 2. Um, really, they mostly focused around the movie and were self-contained. However, 
And this is the spoiler alert. The uh, And I can't remember the race of uh, people that the Guardians had been hired by to help them protect these power batteries from a from an interdimensional monster. But um, I want to say the, the Glorians, maybe? Anyway, they look like Glorians. At the end, they have... Their queen says that she has engineered a weapon to destroy the Guardians of the Galaxy. Spoiler alert. And I think I would call him Adam. She is, of course, referring to Adam Warlock. And if the MCU at least follows... Some of the comics canon with the Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity War, then he's going to play a major role in Avengers Infinity War in defeating Thanos and taking control of the Infinity Gauntlet. So that that's the big impact end credit scene. The opening scene opens up with Baby Groot. And uh, while while the rest of the team are fighting this huge Cthulhu-type squid monster, he the, the, the camera really focuses on Baby Groot dancing to the music that Rocket has rigged up because Quill likes to work and fight to music. So they've got this sound system rigged up, waiting for this interdimensional beast to show up. Groot plugs it in, and while everybody else is fighting... He's dancing. It's so funny. It's so cute. It was spectacular. Baby Groot is one of the highlights of the entire movie. Uh, Just funny, cute as can be. I got to imagine that Baby Groot toys are going to be all the rage this summer and into Christmas. I haven't been to the toy store lately to see... But I gotta imagine they're out there. We do have a, a dancing baby Groot flower pot. We have two. Uh, one is a Funko Pops, and one is a uh, animatronic. You know, you play the music and he dances uh, in the flower pot. Um, and the Funko one is actually a Christmas baby Groot in a fa- flower pot. It was it was pretty cool. But um, yeah, no, fantastic opening sequence couple of things that uh, I loved. Uh, Kurt Russell does appear in the movie as Ego, the living planet. I wasn't sure how they were going to do this. And as it turns out, they did a great job of bringing an entire planet who achieved sentience to life. And, And the planet basically creates for himself a human form. And, um, takes the form of Kurt Russell. The opening sequence with Kurt Russell's character shows him on Earth in 1980. Great job of doing the CGI face mapping for a young Kurt Russell. Awesome job. And as we go through the film, and this is a big spoiler warning, uh, of course, if you if you haven't heard this already, then I, you've been in a cave. Uh, Ego, Kurt Russell's character is the father of Peter Quill. And the story revolves around him finally finding Peter, having heard about a human 
who held an infinity stone and did not die. And he immediately knew that could only be his son, Peter. And so he sought him out and he is going to bring him to his planet, to himself, to uh, be a part of the future. Ego's future plans, spoiler alert, to basically reshape the entire universe in his image and make it subject to his will. And he can't do it alone. He needs someone who has the equal power of him. And it turns out Peter, as his son, has the power of the Celestials as long as he is on the planet or as long as there is light as Ego calls it, in the planet. More on that in a minute. Uh, The movie really expands on the character of Rocket, Rocket Raccoon. He really steals the show with his his traps, his, his gadgets, his, you know, his weapons. And I can't wait to see Rocket Raccoon and Tony Stark side-by-side and head-to-head in Avengers Infinity War. The two of them are going to be great together. And it's going to be funny, funny stuff. Uh, Rocket was fantastic. I would say the best parts of the movie focused on Rocket and Yondu. Yondu has a much, much, much bigger role in this movie. Uh, Of course, he gets the new fin. Um, it's uh, It's not hair it's 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 actually a cybernetic fin that uh controls the arrow and this new fin gives him more power more control greater range with the arrow and there is a scene where yondu has to put down a mutiny he and rocket spoiler alert and he uses that arrow to take out hundreds hundreds of enemy combatants in just a few minutes. It was akin to the Darth Vader scene at the end of Rogue One. It was it was brutal, but it was cool. It was just bad to the bone. And you saw just how cool Yondu can really be. Uh, the movie, although it centers around uh, Peter Quill being the son of Ego and being key to his, you know, master plans. He he really wasn't in it as much as the first one. He, uh, again, the movie focuses and spends more time on Rocket and Yondu and Drax in particular. Um, really establishing and showing more depth to those characters. There were two characters that I thought took a step backwards, though. Uh, Gamora and her sister Nebula. You know, when we saw Gamora in the first Guardians of the Galaxy, she was a hardened, jaded warrior. In this film, she really felt more like, you know, I, I don't know how to put this. She was much more common. She, she seemed just like a, a normal chick. Um, she didn't have that hard edge about her. She seemed very soft. 
And while that is attractive, one of the things that makes Gamora so attractive is that she is bad to the bone, she has those hard edges, and, you know, a heart chiseled in stone. So, and, and Nebula was the same way. You know, she, she spoke with words that were tough, but the voice coming out felt, I don't know, very soft to me. And maybe that's just my criticism, but I thought that that took a step back. Um, now, here's the big spoiler warning. This I'm going to give away the entire plot of the movie right here. So if you don't want to know, turn it off right now and come back later. You have been warned in three, two, one. All right, so Ego needs Peter to help him. Turns out that uh, the reason Yondu kept Peter all those years and did not deliver him back to his dad is because his dad had fathered children all throughout the cosmos and Yondu had been sent to pick them all up. And uh, Yondu found out that when the children didn't have the celestial spark, the power that Ego needed, he just executed them got rid of him. And when he found that out, he refused to turn Peter over and he raised Peter as his son. And at the end of the movie, Peter acknowledges that Yondu was his dad um, in, in every sense of the word. Ego was his father biologically, but Yondu was his dad that raised him. Um, so, it, it, my you know, as we came out, my son made a offhanded comment um, during the movie, he, he leans over to me when they're talking about how to destroy Ego. They had to blow up his core. They had to drill into the core and detonate an explosion in his core and, exp- and kill the whole planet. And my son leans over to me and he says, what is this, Star Wars? And all of a sudden, as we were talking about it on the ride home, I, I realized that Holy crap, it's the same story. Peter Quill is this hero uh, coming of age. He's never known his father. He meets his father, and it, his long-lost father, and it turns out his father is the bad guy who wants Peter to rule the universe by his side. And, uh, you know... Peter refuses. He refuses to give in to the dark side and has to fight his father to save the galaxy. And, of course, they have to blow up the Death Star. I mean, the planet Ego to to win the day. Um, I don't think that was intentional. I think it's completely a coincidence. But the parallels, once you see them, I can't get it out of my head. I can't see the story any other way. Now, here's the great thing. Visual effects, amazing. I did see it in 3D, which I normally hate 3D, but that was the sneak preview. Um, colors, unbelievably vibrant, pop off the screen. Um, all of the special effects look great. I do take issue with Nebula's cybernetic uh, implants. To me, they look like they're latex. They did in the first movie. They did in this one. 
you know what? I'm going to give it a pass because the rest of the movie looks fantastic. Um, the, the CGI they did on Kurt Russell to make him younger was phenomenal. You had some great, great cameos by Sylvester Stallone as Starhawk. And the end of the movie sees the reuniting of the the original, original Guardians of the Galaxy from the 1970s comic series. Starhawk, Charlie 27, Nikki, Martin X, minus Yondu. And, um, of course, at the end of the movie, another spoiler alert, we, we do lose Yondu. But he saves the day. He is the hero of the entire movie, uh, saving Peter and sacrificing himself just as a real father would. But uh, his death reunites the original Ravagers, Sylvester Stallone as Starhawk, Martin X, Nikki, Charlie 27. And uh, that was a pretty cool moment. We also get an end credit scene with... Well, it's, a, it's in the center of the movie and at the end credits. Uh, basically, this movie confirmed a fan theory about Stan Lee's cameos. And basically, Stan Lee has played the, the same character in all of the Marvel Universe movies. And there's a scene where he is reporting to the Watchers on the moon. And... <laughs> Great, great moment. And he references a scene in Captain America Civil War. He says, and then there was this time when I was a FedEx driver. And uh, the watchers are listening. And, and it was it was a great, great moment. Um, there's a, a, a cameo by David Hasselhoff. He has a song on the soundtrack that is fantastic. Uh, just everything about this movie, again, it was so funny. It was so action-packed. And in a lot of ways, it reminds me of the original Ghostbusters, of the original Men in Black, how those movies had that perfect balance of action, adventure, and comedy. And this movie had it all. It was super funny. It was super action-packed. And, um, a lot of great stuff. Now, some of you are going to ask me about Mantis. Mantis does appear in the movie. However, she is not really the the Mantis from the Roy Thomas Avengers days. Very different character. She's, um, and, and I think she actually had a, kind of a sinister purpose uh, with Ego, although she turns out to be very altruistic and uh, her empath, empath, empathic abilities really do help the team save the day. And at the end, she is part of the crew of uh, the Guardians. So uh, some cool stuff happening there. So I would recommend this. I give it uh, four out of five stars. Very, very enjoyable. I highly recommend it. And um, after you've gone and seen it, after you've come back and listened to the rest of this podcast, I'd love to hear your thoughts. And... um, what you thought about uh, some of the things that I mentioned. There are a lot of other pieces that I could get into. I could talk about this movie for another hour with all of the uh, subtexts and the layers and inc- intricacies, but we're, we're not going to do that now. Um, you can catch me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Big Daddy Cool Shows. Uh, 
at the uh, Diesel Punk Podcast on Facebook. Follow me online at Twitter at BDC Magic, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Big Daddy Cool Shows. And of course, if you like the Tales from the Flipside podcasts and microcasts and you want to support more great content, become a patron at www.patreon.com slash Big Daddy Cool Shows. Now, I can't leave you without reminding you about one of our sponsors, Magic Subscription Box and Comic Bento. Magic Subscription Box delivers a magic shop in your mailbox every month. 50, 60, 70, even $80 worth of magic in your mailbox for 20 bucks, but you can get it for just 10 bucks for your first month. Use my promo code BDC Magic. That's B. DC is in Big Daddy Cool, BDC Magic at www.magicsubscriptionbox.com, www.magicsubscriptionbox.com, and that'll get you 50% off your first box, 10 bucks for your first month. And then our other sponsor, Comic Bento, they deliver a monthly mystery box of graphic novels in your mailbox every month, and next month, I believe they're going to have a, a graphic novel collection that ties into Guardians of the Galaxy. You can get your own at mycomicbento.com. That's www.mycomicbento.com. Tell them Big Daddy Cool sent you, and that'll be swinging solid. Can you dig that? I knew that you could. Well, hey there, guys and gals. Thanks for tuning in. And until the next time, swing hard, swing often. And we'll catch you on the flip side. 